Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. I want to give you a theme word for today that you can think about as we talk this morning and also as we spend some time this evening in study. And that word is encouragement or a word used in Scripture is edification, to edify or to build up. Uh, this morning I want to build us up to realize that we have great potential and we have great opportunity. Brian Mackinnon had a series of lessons last quarter on leadership. And I want us this year, I had told him that we're going to take one of the great leaders of Scripture and each month talk about how we can understand leadership from God's perspective through those great leaders building upon what Brian did for us in that class. And so we come now to the Apostle Peter. He was the proclaimer. Think with me, if you will, about his story in a brief fashion and his relationship to Jesus. In the first place, Jesus was here for approximately three years, give or take, and he took 12 men and trained them for their futures. He spent time with them. He was getting them ready for the job that he had laid out for them. And when we get to the end of Matthew chapter 28, we notice that Jesus says, starting in verse 18, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Jesus said to these men whom he had trained, I have a job for you. I have given you a commission. And every single one of them received that commission. They were all told to go and to preach. Later, Paul, a, an apostle chosen out of due time, as he said about himself, in Ephesians chapter 4 and said, uh, verse 11, Paul was writing and said, God gave some first to be apostles and prophets and teachers. And he went on to talk about for the edifying or the building up of the church. These apostles, these men trained by Jesus had the commission to be a part of the foundational aspect of the church that he was building. And that is the story just read from Matthew chapter 16. We talk about that church that Jesus was going to build. And it was the responsibility of these 12 men trained by Jesus to make sure that the church came to fruition. Now I want you to think with me about Peter. In the first place, Peter is probably, if, if we were there with Peter, spending time with him, we can spend time with him in Scripture and see about him, and therefore it is maybe the opinion of many, a human opinion to say, Peter was an unlikely candidate to be a leader. 
I mean, if you think about Peter, you think about his life, let me remind you of a few things that happened in his life. Peter, at times, was impulsive. In other words, Peter oftentimes acted without seemingly thinking at all about what he was about to do. Matthew chapter 14, the apostles had been sent by Jesus across the sea in a boat. He would come later. And during that night, or that later time, he came walking to them on the water. And impulsive Peter said, Lord, is that you? Yes, it is. Let me come to you on the water. Do you think he really thought about what he was saying? He just said, I'm ready to walk. Impulsive Peter. Later when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John were the three permitted to be in the presence of Jesus the whole time. And all of a sudden, two figures from the past, the Jewish past, Elijah and Moses, appeared. And Peter stood up and he said, hey, this is great. Let's make three different tabernacles for these three great men, including Jesus. Peter, what are you thinking about? One of the last times we see Jesus interacting with his disciples in John 21 Peter has gone back to fishing because Jesus was killed. Oh, I know he resurrected, but things just were at a standstill. And he's out there on the boat. And he looked to the shore. And he saw Jesus on the shore. And when he recognized it was Jesus, John recorded, and he tied his coat around him, and he dove in the water to go see Jesus. That was impulsive, but I think his thinking was a whole lot better there. I got to get to him. A guy like that, would you think he would be a great leader? There were times that he was presumptuous. That is, he made some decisions, he assumed some things were true when in fact they may not be the way he's looking at them. And he just assumed that it was. How about when Jesus was being arrested in the garden? Now, earlier in their conversation in the upper room, Jesus had actually said, there's coming a time when you're going to need a sword. And they even turned and said, Lord, we have two right here. He said, that's enough. So now they're in the garden and the, the soldiers come to arrest him. And what did Peter do? He pulled out a sword and flashed it. And when he did so, he cut off the ear of Malchus. He presumed that Jesus wanted him to fight right there. He assumed, this is time for us to take up the sword. It is time for us right now to fight it out. I don't think that's what Jesus wanted at the time. He was presumptuous. Then there were times he was a coward. Back at that event in Matthew 14... 
After he was on the water walking to Jesus, the Bible says in verse 30 that all of a sudden he looked around and he saw the waves and he became fearful and began to sink in the water. He was cowardly. Here's a guy that went from impulsivity to cowardliness in a matter of just a few seconds. And we all know what happened in the garden when Jesus was being tried. Three times, denying that he even knew him. Can a man like that be a leader? And maybe worse than that, he was self-seeking at times. He said one time, we've left everything, Lord, to follow you. Now what are we going to get? Peter, what's going on with you? And to top it all off in Matthew 16, you know what he did? He turned himself and rebuked Jesus. Can you even imagine that? Can this guy be a leader? Can he really do what Jesus needs him to do? And I'm going to suggest to you that he could because he took a weakness and made it a strength. In Acts chapter 4, after the church has been established, there's an interesting statement made by the leaders who saw the apostles. Acts 4 verse 13. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were ignorant and untrained men, they perceived that they had been with Jesus. Why can Peter, this guy, this impulsive, presumptive, cowardly, self-seeking guy be a leader? Because he had been with Jesus. But now, here's what is another encouragement, I think, to all of us. The very first time that Jesus met Peter, he revealed not only that he already knew that Peter had a strength, but he told Peter, even though Peter didn't get it. He looked at Peter and he said, I'm going to call you Cephas which means a stone. I know Peter didn't get it because he was not stable. He was all over the map. And yet this man took his greatest strength and turned it into leadership, greatest weakness, and turned it into leadership capacity 
by making it a strength. And Jesus knew it. Now we're back at our text of Matthew 16. Jesus announced to these men, I'm going to build my church. This is a brand new thing in their lives. The Jewish system had been all they ever had known. And it was built on the law of Moses and it was built around the temple and everything was external and all of these things that they had to do. And now Jesus comes along and said, I'm going to build my church. I don't think they had the capacity to understand what that was yet. I don't think there was any way that they could really understand and get what Jesus was announcing. And yet it was going to happen. And in the process of that, he looked right at Peter and he said, Peter, you are going to be the proclaimer. I went back and did some research that I've not done before. And I noticed nine different events recorded in Scripture where the disciples, whether all or a few, and Jesus are together. And when something happens, the very first one to speak was Peter. In fact, as I began thinking about it and walking through some other scriptures, there were very few times that anybody else spoke first. He was the spokesman. And yet that was maybe his greatest weakness because he just blurted out stuff. He just said whatever was on his mind at the moment. He just, whatever seemed to be right, I'm just going to say it. And then there were times that he would say things that were totally wrong just because he didn't think well and he was a coward. And sometimes in the self-seeking way, he was asking for something for himself from Jesus. Here's a guy who seemed every time he spoke, had to be corrected. In fact, on one occasion, that occasion in Matthew 16 later, if you go in the chapter, when Peter rebuked Jesus and said, these things that you said are going to happen, that you're going to die and they're going to hurt you and destroy you and crucify you, that'll never happen and I'll make sure of it. And Jesus turned around and rebuked him and said, You get behind me, Satan. You don't have a clue what you're talking about. Peter's greatest strength was his desire to speak. And therefore, Jesus could harness it he could harness it and use it for good. Now, there's a little bit of a controversy, if you will, religiously, certainly, in verses 16 through 18. Jesus had said, 
who do men say I am? And they gave these names that pe people are saying, well, that must be John or Elijah or, or some, a prophet or some, like Jeremiah. Hey, but who are you? Who do you think I am? And who was it? Peter immediately didn't wait for anybody else. He spoke right up and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus responded, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. But my father, there's a key. He was willing to speak, and this time he was not just speaking from his own volition. He was not just speaking from the first thing that popped into his mind. He was now speaking from his learning, from his training, and from his faith. And he said, you are the Christ. Jesus went on to say, you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church. Now, in Aramaic, the common language of their day, one of them, the word for rock and stone are the exact same thing. If Jesus spoke in Aramaic, the words would have been the same. In the Greek language, they're different. Petros is a masculine term, Peter. And it means a stone. Then there's Petra, which is neither masculine nor feminine. It's a neuter. And it means a rock. You know what? Jesus didn't build the church on Peter. I don't care what any religious group says. Jesus didn't build it on Peter. He built it on this statement, this idea, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Peter announced it. Now, in a manner of speaking, since Peter was the spokesman, he built it on what Peter said, sure. But it was the solid statement and reality of the identity of Jesus that gave foundation to the church. Not the unstable, though strong, Peter that was the foundation of the church. And yet, because of this weakness, this desire to lash out and say whatever comes to mind. He could be a great spokesman. In fact, Acts 2, he delivered the first gospel sermon that everybody heard. Acts 3, he delivered another one. Acts 4, he delivered another one. Acts 5, he confronted Ananias and Sapphira with their situation. Acts 8, he's traveling to meet those people that Philip had found and converted. Acts 10, he's coming back and talking about having or going to the house of Cornelius. And in Acts 11, he's standing up before the apostles and the elders and saying, God is calling Gentiles just like he called us. Peter, in those early stages, the first half of the book of Acts, devoted to Peter, the proclaimer. You know why? Because God put a bridle on his tongue. 
And he turned his weakness of just shouting out into the strength of declaring the message of God. These series of lessons, case studies in godly leadership. We've already learned some great lessons. Let me remind you. The great leader Barnabas teaches us that you don't have to be in any special place of high rank to be a leader. Just lead where you are and you will be a great leader. Joshua teaches us that leaders take a stand even if they stand alone. From Moses, we learn that leaders lead even in the midst of constant complaining. And Paul teaches us that leaders don't allow their past to get in the way of their future. So what do we learn from Peter? Peter is a guy that teaches us that leaders have a great talent and ability that if you will just identify it, hone it, and put it to use, you'll be a great leader. Isn't it interesting? It is to me. In 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter, under the inspiration of God, made this statement. Anyone who speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. It was in that text where Peter was saying, if you have a talent, put it to use for the Lord. If ministry, serve. But Peter, this guy who just spurted things out of his mouth, came to realize that while that was a great weakness, he, through the help of God, turned it into a great strength. Whoever speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. I hope you're encouraged today. Because every person in this room has a talent from God. That's what God does. God gives talents and gifts and abilities. And everybody here has at least one. Which means that you have, we all have, at least that one thing that can make me a leader in some area, in some way, because God gave it to me for that purpose. Go find it. Figure out what it is.
even be your greatest weakness that you need to hone and work on and improve and then turn it around and use it for good. It may be a hidden gem that nobody else knows about but you. And you need to volunteer and say, let me put this to work. It may be something that everybody knows. And everybody's just waiting on you to say, I'll do it. Be encouraged. You can be a leader wherever you are because God gave you a way to do it. And follow the example of Peter, the proclaimer. The greatest gift that God ever gave to us as individuals, all of us, is what made us human, free will. And in that free will, we have a choice. I can choose not only to use my talent for the Lord, but I can also choose whether to follow Him at all. It's a great gift, the ability to choose. That's why when people are put in prison, one of the worst things is you just don't have any choice anymore. Your life is run for you, right? Freedom. We think about freedom, especially this week. People who are imprisoned, whether literally or figuratively, they don't have the free will. The great gift of free will gives me the chance to say, yes, I will serve the Lord. And also, in a great weakness, would say, I don't want it. If you're ready to choose to serve the Lord and you've not done it yet, to be immersed into Jesus Christ, to have sins removed, today would be a great day to do that. And for all of us, to decide, I want to choose to use what I have for the Lord and to encourage and lead in my own life in whatever way that I can because God gave me a talent. I haven't been using it, and I'm ready to start. I hope that's your prayer to the Lord today. But if we can help you publicly, will you meet our shepherds at the front? We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.